for Nakatomi Plaza. We've been doing this for 11 years. 10 square blocks. Mayday, Mayday, Channel 9. 8 Lincoln 30 to dispatch. The seven members of the new Provo Front. Six armed with automatic weapons. Five imprisoned leaders of Liberté de Québec. Four million dollars. Three down, four to go. Code two at Nakatomi Plaza. Let's kill one terrorist for sure, and he claims he's capped off two others. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Christmas. 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 It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yippee ki Mother Christmas. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> that's right tis the season and that's right where today we have a very special show as you know we like to stay out on the fringe of entertainment and we hit those hard-hitting questions like is die hard a christmas movie you're about to so, break the internet now you know that's internet, a very controversial question it really is it's like first there's that that disease no one wants to talk about and then there's die hard christmas movie so that's what we're going to talk about we decided to pull in a tiktok rock star who is also a die hard die hard fan that's going to help finish this debate it's ashley warren ashley what's up i'm doing fantastic thank you so much for having me yes no problem so why don't you just tell the peeps a little bit about yourself and where they can find you online yeah on tiktok i am at ashley in real life and you can link to my instagram from there um houston realtor been doing it for four years we're super psyched it's in the air we went from pumpkin spice season to pumpkin pie season and now it's cinnamon and spice season <laughs> but it's also ho 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 I got a machine gun two season because that is everybody on this show's favorite ugly sweater. So we'll start off. We're going to keep it simple. What actually makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? When you get that like cold weather feel, like you've got Christmas in the background of it, it's not necessarily themed around anything Christmas related, but all of the events that roll into it wouldn't happen if it wasn't centered around the holiday. So I say yes, it is absolutely a Christmas movie. And Mario, I know you're you're very passionate about this. It can't just be casually dancing around. You want Christmas as part of the see, plot yeah, line. See, I fall into that group. I think that the film has to be, uh, the plot itself has to deal with some sort of Christmas story or theme, right? I think if the film is just taking place at Christmas, I don't think technically it's a Christmas movie. We can enjoy it at Christmas, sure. <laughs> and it can remind us of Christmas and things like that nature but i don't know i'm not sure die hard is a christmas movie hmm i don't know hey bruce what do you think die hard is not a christmas movie it's a goddamn bruce willis movie so yippee-ki-yay to all of you motherfuckers I mean, it's a raging debate. I mean, look, when this came out in 1988, this was not even something that was considered. It wasn't even a question. I was trying to even research. I don't know if either of you know, when was this debate born? Because I've, I've always thought of it, right? Because it's just like, you knew you were in for a different Christmas feel when he said, Ariel, play Christmas music. And he played Run DMC right? Mm -hmm. Christmas in Hollis, Queens, which is a fun karaoke song. We tried it, but it's we knew right impossible. <laughs> it is really hard to do. I don't know. Actually, you're more of a internet expert. You know, you got your thumb on the pulse. You know, when was this debate even born? I found the debate about 10 years ago. I was in a mommy group and we had a message board and I kind of wasn't really finding my people there until somebody said, what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? And I was like, oh God, we're so corny. And one <laughs> person said, die hard. And I was like, that's my new best friend. 
Kevin. <laughs> and I never considered it as whether or not it was a Christmas movie until I saw her say it. And I thought, it is. Because based on what you said, you know, being like centered around Christmas with that logic, Home Alone wouldn't be a Christmas movie because it's not about Christmas. It's about home invasion. <laughs> You've opened up a whole other can of worms there because, I mean, I'm of the belief that Home Alone is diehard for kids. <laughs> That's solid. Yeah. It's so solid. It's pretty much diehard for kids. <laughs> that is. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the uh, assaults that happened in that would have definitely finished them off faster <laughs> than it would have like uh, the pseudo German terrorists. The wet bandits would have experienced the same amount of pain. There are plenty plot points that were in there obviously because it was it is christmas it eve was, it's there's a christmas party christmas, eve, christmas party he is trying to reunite with his family okay for christmas that's yep. that, that's sort of a thing right yeah and there's also not to jump all the way to the end but right he actually used christmas tape to tape the gun to his back that was pretty much the right. end that that was gonna finish up that was christmas tape and they used the christmas bells at that point to signify that christmas was going to save john mcclain and Holly. John McClane and Christmas were going to save each other. And that's when Holly Gennaro became Holly McClane again, because it was a Christmas miracle. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles, so be of good cheer. And then and then they ended, actually, when they drove away, too, right? It was just like Christmas music played again. Yeah, there's Christmas music throughout. Even in the score, the vibe, the, the vibe of the score is very Christmassy. Lots of sleigh bells in that movie. Ash, when did you fall in love with Die Hard, the film? My dad loves this movie, and I've always seen the CBS basic cable edited version with no swear words. Um, you know, kind of in and out of it forever. Like you just catch it in the middle. And I know I've been watching it since I was probably like nine or 10 years old. Then when I finally got older and saw it on HBO and I heard him say, yippee ki motherfucker, I was like, yeah and you're right so i don't even remember what the made for tv version of that did he just say yippee kaye mr falcon oh mr falcon (laughs) (laughs) yippee kaye mr falcon which makes no sense whatsoever i don't know what they were going for there but yeah it's definitely mr falcon i've seen that one as well i was digging around and i found an interesting article a diehard writer settling the christmas movie debate and he had a unique argument that he was actually saying Die Hard was more of a Christmas movie than the 1954 classic White Christmas. Hmm. Oh, does does that not sound like fighting words? So now we're thinking, okay, wait a minute. We thought this debate was born basically with the internet, but now we have one of the writers stepping up and said maybe that was his intentions all along. This is from our friends at Digital Spy. It was basically a Christmas movie or not checklist. We talked about this ever in the first one. Takes place during the Christmas holiday. Die Hard entirely. White Christmas, only the first and final scene. Which one is this, White Christmas? This, what happens in White Christmas? I don't even remember. I got to say it was one of the 1954 movies that my mom may have watched. And I'd be like, Ma, what the hell are you watching on TV? <laughs> Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> it's just like when you hear 1954 and you hear a Christmas movie, you're going to assume, OK, this is all about Christmas. But he's saying that there's only the first and final scene. And then there was a Christmas party, which was entirely the whole plot of Die Hard, but in White Christmas, again, the final scene only. I think this goes back really, really deep. And now I'm starting to think, 
They really did do this on purpose. Did we ever not think of Die Hard as a Christmas movie? I can tell you, fun fact is that a lot of people before, you know, streaming services, Christmas Day was one of the most popular days for people to hit the movie theaters. Just because you don't have a ton of family stuff going on, everybody has the day off, which is the reason so many movies make their debut on Christmas Day. And I feel like maybe it was a device to set it at Christmas so that it makes sense to go and see it, maybe like draw people to the box office. It definitely feels like Christmas in the movie. That I think that's one of the things that really appeals to people is that the movie feels like Christmas. Even though it's people getting murdered in, you know, elevator shafts, you've got the needle drops on the classic Christmas songs, right? It starts off with Christmas and Hollis. That really sets the tone. It feels like Christmas. It feels like a Christmas party. Yeah, you totally do feel that whole Christmas party vibe. All right, here's another fun fact of Die Hard versus White Christmas. The number of Christmas songs in White Christmas are two, White Christmas and Snow. The number of Christmas songs in Die Hard are four, Let It Snow, Winter Wonderland, Jingle Bells, and Christmas and Hollis. There it is. I mean, again, I didn't even realize there's four Christmas songs right there on on the soundtrack to say, hey, I am a Christmas movie. I think the intention was to release that movie at Christmas, wasn't it? And then they decided that it wasn't a good idea because it came out in Ju- it came out in July. Yeah, it was a it was technically what we would call a, a summer blockbuster now, right? And it's just like I think in the beginning people were so overwhelmed and caught off guard of just like, wait a minute, the freaking guy from Moonlighting is an action star now? And right? I think they were so overwhelmed that it was just like considered one of the greatest action films of all time to the point where like Pulp Fiction became like a weird subgenre genre of itself of just like that's like pulp fiction light yeah everything Everything became die hard on a whatever yes die hard on a fill in the blank funny enough one fact that i heard about today that die hard was based on towering inferno that was one of the inspirations of nakatomi plaza but you might be right i think maybe it was just used as a device and people were so overwhelmed with the other part and then when that hot boil settled down a little bit Now it's just like, oh, wait a minute, this is a Christmas movie. And then the internet was born to basically drive that home. We talked about who was originally cast in Die Hard. Actually, we were talking about this yesterday, right? Frank Sinatra, he had to turn it down. He had the first option on it. Die Hard is actually based on a book that's part of a series. And they did another film in that series. And Frank Sinatra played John McClane, basically. Um, I don't know if he he still had the same name, but Die Hard was another book in that series. So uh, Frank Sinatra had to turn it down before they could offer it to... uh, Bruce Willis. We're both born on 1212. Frank's close to my heart. Could he have done it? Can you see Frank Sinatra as a New York cop? He helped rob casinos, but could he have been a New York cop? I think Bruce Willis has a big part of this. He was actually the sixth choice to play John McClane. Of course, they had to offer. It was the 80s, so they had to offer it to Schwarzenegger. They had to offer it to Stallone. They offered it to Burt Reynolds, Harrison Ford, and Richard Gere, which ironically, Harrison Ford became the diehard for a president. Get off my plane. That became another version. Diehard on Air Force One. Bruce Willis made it feel like family that it was just like, okay, this is a Christmas movie. I think it's so important that we acknowledge like he was a comedic actor because some of these lines, try to imagine somebody saying it in all seriousness. Picture Sylvester Stallone saying yippee-ki-yay with his like voice and, you know, just wouldn't hit right. And so he brought fun to the action movie. And I think that's what really made it hit and made it such a classic. Die Hard was one of those movies I remember originally being, I don't know uh, if y'all used to do this, but when you would tape record the dialogue off the TV so you could listen it back, because it just, it was really funny. His delivery and stuff, like the whole conversation where he's trying to call 911 and it's like, no shit, do you think I'm ordering 
him a pizza? Like, that was hilarious. You're right. It had a lot to do with his comedic chops that made that delivery possible. You know who else owned the rights to this? Clint Eastwood once owned the film rights. All right, here's another fun fact, so I want to get both your opinions on this. In White Christmas, the party venue was threatened by foreclosure, but in Die Hard, the party venue was threatened by terrorist 80s that was the word the terrorist win uh do you think that was people gravitated to that because it was terrorists were threatening not only officer mclean they were threatening christmas yes in america it was somebody that like everybody could go against. this is a common villain and like the enemy of my enemies my friends like we're all like on the same team here no one is pro-terrorist like we're all anti-terrorist so right. it was a perfect villain that everybody can get behind disliking you can't do that yeah. today anymore have just like a random general terrorist he's like no you're the terrorist no you're the terrorist man you're terrorizing me what about alan rickman as hans gruber the style that he brought to that not only was bruce willis the different type of action hero for the 80s he was the different type of terrorist right this guy was like smooth you know he had that cool euro vibe wait a minute he's the bad guy actually you were telling me a fun story about him yesterday you know when we were talking about this yes i actually dug into it a little more and i found there's several great lines from the movie that were improv but one of them was you know as he's falling back they had told him look you're hanging on we're gonna let you go on three and they went one and they flung him and so his look of shock that genuine reaction is really him being like what the you were going to count the three. He was falling when he wasn't ready to fall, which is perfect. Like, that's the reaction you wanted. I thought that was such a fun, cool thing. He originally didn't even want to do the movie because it was his first day in Hollywood or maybe his second day. They approached him with it, and he said, I don't want to be the villain in my first film. And it wouldn't have been oh. the same without him. I can't picture anybody else. When you see him, of course, you think of Snape. But he's not just known for Snape. Like, there's a whole group of people that just know him as Hans Gruber. Yeah, he's the most lovable villain every time he does it. I only know him as Hans Gruber. Did he do anything else? <laughs> I, I call him every time I see him in a movie, he's like, Hans Gruber's in this movie. <laughs> He did like one or two other things. It wasn't big yeah. deal. <laughs> if he did turn it down, the second choice was going to be Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. And I don't, how would that have been? I was watching the Jurassic Park, the movies that made us on Netflix, and the accent that he was playing with. I can only imagine the accent that he would have tried to play with. Is it true that they weren't actually speaking German? Ooh, I didn't hear that. Two of the terrorists were actually German. Um, ten were European, but they were mostly chosen for their size. The actors were chosen for their size. Bruce Willis is actually born in West Germany. His mom is German. Oh, really? I love fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great one. I had no idea. I was looking around and I, I read that it's just that the majority of their dialogue was actually gibberish in the original theatrical version. And that was later fixed for the VHS release. So I don't know now if this is going to be like the OG, like trying to get your hands on the Star Wars before it was doctored. There's a version of Die Hard out there that somebody has, probably Quentin Tarantino, that is the theatrical release and they're just speaking gibberish. German? Forget it, he's rolling. Well, <laughs> how to say shoot the glass in German so I could quote my movie in the kitchen while I'm cooking. I don't know why I looked it up. But um, it's so close to English. It's she's in the glass and that's not what they're saying. 
you know, when he whispers. Yes. And I was like, that's that almost <laughs> like the English. They're not saying that it's something else. It's some other translation I figured. But now hearing this, like maybe they were just shutting up. The, and it's like it has one of the biggest setup payoff kind of things that a movie's ever done. Right. Because it starts with that weird conversation on the plane. If you don't know Die Hard, you've never seen Die Hard. The guy's talking to him about take off your shoes and make fists with your toes. That's the opening conversation of the movie. And then when he's eventually doing that back at the office, that's what leads to him being shoeless the entire film. That was a brilliant setup. And you, when you go back and watch it, and it was like the very opening scene that was kind of like a throwaway line. To me, that's just like some some brilliant, brilliant writing. The way he says, shoot the glass, shoot the glass. And you can probably tell that he's playing with, should I just go with a German accent or I'm going to kind of use it? That and when he tried to go into... His American accent of just like, oh, God, you're one of them, aren't you? <laughs> that accent always bothered me. It was so weird and obviously <laughs> fake. And John McClane's a cop. <laughs> you're in a building full of terrorists, and the guy has the fakest American accent that you've heard. You're from New York. But I always loved his delivery on that. What about Reginald Vell Johnson? One of my favorite lines. I say it anytime on anything we're doing. Someone walks in. I always say, welcome to the party, pal. America's dad in the 90s, right, with Family Matters, is that another reason why this felt very Christmassy? Powell was the first one there to help, and he stuck with him the entire time. And I think that bromance was just as important as, you know, rebuilding his marriage, which, again, bringing people together for Christmas. I agree completely. I think that when you kind of have that, like, underdog who gets to come in and save the day, and then he has his own great backstory of, you know, he's not a kid, and he has, hasn't been the same ever since, and he gets that redeeming moment where he suits the right person and he's, you know, you kind of feel like the reset button was hit and he's ready to like start his career again. And I think it's the best like subplot of the movie. Can I ask a yeah, question no. here? Which came first, Die Hard or Family Matters? Die Hard. Die Hard, Die Hard Die came Hard. first. Now in yep. Family Matters, is Reginald Vell Johnson also play a cop? Yes. So is this a spinoff of Die Hard? Oh. Aren't they named the Powells? <laughs> no. They're the Powells, right? That's the name of the family? No, no. It's Winslow. Carl Winslow. Yeah. But oh, okay. What if he is under cover what if he's undercover his cover got blown they moved him there but he's still going to be a cop because that's all he knows so urkel is die hard cannon maybe he had to go into hiding to get away from the terrorists right <laughs> that was a big family ring mm -hmm. i'm sure there's a fan theory somewhere that will line all of this out and make it make sense there is now we put it out there if you build it they will come you know the interesting thing about this you can't have light without darkness right when you just say i am the light you automatically have to call darkness around so you can show your light. And I think this, obviously you have the German terrorist, but you also had the police chief, Paul Gleason, you know, the principal from... Oh, what? Breakfast, yes, from Breakfast Club, who he kind of came in like he was going to be a heel. But then even he had a baby face turn just because of the two FBI agents. So it's just like everybody was working other than Powell and McLean. Everybody was working against this situation. So there was bad guys everywhere. I'm such a fan of characters that where there's not a clear villain. You know, like Powell was there. He wasn't helping the situation. He wasn't hurting it. And then the FBI came in and like there's that hierarchy. Everyone is kind of like doing what they thought was the best thing, even though it caused some major setbacks. So like we have our clear villain and the terrorist. And then we have our like, you just get out of my way and let me do my job kind of people. You have all these powers and people and circumstances that were trying to stop Christmas. Also, it was at the end of that like, 
yuppie era, you know, because we were starting to get into this Seattle grunge thing. The economy was right. changing. And so it was kind of neat to see that, you know, maybe money doesn't rule everything anymore. Like instead of them going, they weren't murdering people straight up. They were going after the money. And that made almost the greed look like the villain. Maybe I'll get into it. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> no. You're barking up the right tree. There was a big push, especially in the 80s of Christmas was becoming so material. And it was always about greed is good, like Gecko said. In the end, these guys weren't even standing for something important. Like you said, he's like, you're just common criminals. And he was insulted by that. That was the whole insult against the materialism of Christmas. And you nailed it with the end of that yuppie era, especially, you know, you had Ellis, Hans, Booby. How 80s was that? Dude? Ellis is the most 80s guy. He represents everything that the 80s was. The whole corporate greed of the 80s. Corporate yeah. cocaine greed. I'm your white knight. And I forgot, I just literally just saw that. He was actually on a Coke bender that day. Yeah. They showed him in the office doing the wiping it on their teeth. And I was like, oh, he's so 80s, man. <laughs> uh, there's a part that I feel like is so underrated. And when you see it and you catch it, and, like you love it. But they're doing Coke at the beginning. And then later on, when he's in the office with the terrorists, one of them hands him a can of Coca-Cola. And he's like, Ugh, and he kind of rolls his eyes. Like they must have said at some point, do you need anything? He's like, yeah, can you get my Coke from the other office? And they went and brought the coke and he was like Mur. really no i didn't see that it's so it's i mean it's one second of the film but he just takes it and kind of like looks annoyed and puts it on the desk and doesn't ever drink it <laughs> wow <laughs> but that is those it. little yes, nuances that's, that's what makes the movie even though this was made in the 80s and you have those 80s element does like does it really feel if you weren't looking at obviously you know ellis or maybe the computer technology another reason why it makes it a christmas film is it just feels timeless and christmas is timeless. There's those movies that once they're on, it's very, very difficult to stop. And this is one of them and it's just timeless. Do you guys think that's why people will defend this as a Christmas film? I highly agree. Well, I mean, I think it's the way that it's self-contained. Everything just takes place inside the building and that's like an original premise. Usually in an action film before that, there was like they're in car chases and jumping over things and blowing things up, flying in planes. This is just a dude with no shoes trapped in a building. And I think yeah. the, the fact that, that they bottled it like that and it was the first time they actually attempted that particular type of story and it ended up being copied a hundred times. I think that's what made it kind of feel timeless. When you say it's Die Hard on a Boat, this is the Die Hard from Die Hard on a Boat. Who doesn't want to be that guy that saves the day? Anybody could have been John McClane. Like, just gets on a plane, goes to see his ex-wife, and then he soul-handedly takes down a terrorist ring, saves his wife, like, all these things. Like, who wouldn't want that? You know, who doesn't want to be that kind of hero? Like, I think that's why it lasts so well because it's kind of that, like, this could could happen to anybody. I mean, it won't, but, like, but if it did, I feel like I would handle it. The well, last John McClane, it happened five times. <laughs> that was oh, one of his throwaway lines, right? It's just like in Die Hard, Die Harder. Yeah. Like, how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Which but, is why I feel like Die Hard 3 is such a good setup, because, like, this can't just keep happening by coincidence. And so when you get in there, you're like, oh, it's his brother. Like, of course this happened again. <laughs> Ashley, just so you know, we make pitches on here. How come one of the Die Hard sequels hasn't just directly dove into Die Hard as a Christmas movie? Bruce Willis is still working, right? And I think after a while, people started to be like, oh, okay, you know, this is getting a little bit, you know, long in the tooth. But I think if you just presented it, a Die Hard Christmas movie, we're big fans of sequel boots here. So don't remake it. Don't make it like a continuation. Fast forward it. And let's just really dive into a Die Hard Christmas movie sequel. What are you thinking? Like John 
McClain trying to get a toy for his son, that type of a thing <laughs> on Black on Black Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think you can just really somehow lean into this, and he's going to end up in the North Pole where some science. Oh, you're talking North. Take it to the North Pole. Yeah, take it to the North Pole, right? Then you can really just lean into that, you know, the Christmas magic. Maybe that you see the shooting star at the end. I'd pay to see that. Yeah, maybe you can get Bruce Willis in a good mood again, and he can cheer up. <laughs> yeah, he's angry. Did you see him in that Die Hard commercial, the one for the batteries? Oh, yes. And he's doing his Die Hard lines, and he looks like he hates life. <laughs> I went out of my way to find those commercials because I was just like, oh, man, this is the closest we're going to get to that spirit of Die Hard, except it was for Die Hard battery. I would have marked out and just like, I know. I don't need a new battery, but maybe I should just get one. Just keep it in the garage. <laughs> they also got the dude who was the uh, computer hacker in that ad. They got him and oh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> that's right. They did get him in there. That was Theo. He's yeah. the tech specialist. That's when Argyle had his big moment because Theo was the only one that he didn't have the gun. He wasn't a terrorist. And then Argyle, he hit him with his limo and then he hit him with that punch and it even had the, oh, <laughs> oh he's a nerd. You know, he's not going to make a, a macho noise when he gets punched. <laughs> Do you remember the movie The Money Pit? With, I do. Uh, Alexander Gutenhoff, wasn't he the quasi-heel in that as well? He was a ballet dancer. He actually defected to the United States in 1979, started working as an actor to support his dancing habit, and then he just lands in Die Hard as one of like the main villains. And like you said, it maybe it was because of his size? He still looked slick, but he also felt very much like a formidable villain for McLean. And then they even gave him a more of a reason to kill his brother. Yeah. So. He had that look, that very, the strong jawline, you know, that the shoulder, like he had that like masculine, like almost to the point of looking villainous look about him. He might be the nicest guy in the world, but I'm like, yeah, I would definitely be excited if I could beat him up. And it was great for theatrical fighting. If you can dance, you can fight. Growing up, I'm watching Michael Jackson videos, you know, when he used to to have the dance fights i just like oh okay you know he's a, he's a dancer so his fight at the end is gonna really look badass he actually had a role in witness and then he had that role in uh the money pit before he was the far left west terrorist in die hard very formidable for basically our version of a badass santa But let Heinrich plant the detonators and Theo prepare the vault. After we call the police, they'll waste hours trying to negotiate, and then you can tear the building apart looking for this man. But until then, we do not alter the plan. I always thought, though, it was a little harsh for the company to have their own Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Like, are we not doing family stuff on Christmas Eve? <laughs> not at Nakatomi. <laughs> how, that's how they got to the top. That's why they're number one. They work on Christmas Eve. Did you know there was somebody in there, like, finishing up their paperwork and, like, trying not to get in trouble and be like, it's our Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, I never really thought of that. I was like, what a dick move. Seriously, our, on Christmas Eve is when our Christmas party's going to be? And then well, everyone's I'm expected to show up. It was like a Liz Lemon party. It's just like they are mandatory. You can't exactly. like. <laughs> and there ain't no party like a Liz Lemon party because a Liz Lemon party is mandatory. So like one thing that I always, when, whenever this discussion comes up and, we, and you talk, you get to the end of the discussion or whatever, and you've had your debate about Die Hard, whether or not it's a Christmas movie, I have to bring this up now. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, is Lethal Weapon also a Christmas movie? Oh, man. I'm leaning into yes. Okay. A little bit on the fence for that because 
I feel like Christmas is not a major element in it. Lethal Weapon could have happened anytime. It starts off with that Bobby Helms, Jingle Bell Rock classic, and you're panning across the L.A. skyline, just like Die Hard. Kicks off there. It ends with Let It Snow. Isn't that the same song Die Hard ends with? It does have Let It Snow in there. And there yeah. was a scene when we first get introduced to Mel Gibson's character. Isn't it in a Christmas tree shop? Yes. Or there was one scene. Yeah, there was a scene. I feel He's like undercover at the, at the Christmas tree shop. Yes. He wants it he all. He wants it all. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Congratulations. Maybe a nice six-footer to put it under, huh? <laughs> you want a tree? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll give you the best tree I got in a lot for nothing. Oh, you sure are a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think crazy? Yeah. yeah. Are you calling me crazy? crazy? You think yeah. I'm crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you want to see crazy? I'll tell you. That's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. I love Rankin-Bass classics just as much, but I'd love a Rankin-Bass claymation of Die Hard. And Ashley, you were saying, didn't you find something along those lines? I did. Um, my dad has it at his house, but it is Twas the Night Before Christmas written in the style of it's Die Hard told in that sing-song poetry kind of way. Actually, I have a line of it pulled up if y'all want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, it says, John McClane missed his wife. Things just weren't the same since Holly moved and changed her last name. He tried to win her back, but still she said no. While unbeknownst to them, there was trouble down below. And it just, it goes on and on and it like tells the whole story. And then it ends with, I don't even know how they rhyme it in, but they rhyme in with yippee ki And it's like fantastic. <laughs> well, now I know what I want for Christmas. Between the uh, ho, 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 I have a machine gun sweatshirt, going to an ugly sweater party is always a big hit. Now a, a Twas the Night Before Christmas written in a Christmas style with Die Hard. I'm all in for that. I know we only got a couple minutes left here, Mar, before you got to cut out, but I wanted to get Ash opinion on what other films would you want to stand up here and say these are Christmas films? Gremlins. I almost want to dig into John Hughes a little bit because everything there is, I mean, they live in the winter in John Hughes movies, but I would almost say Breakfast Club could sneak in. I bet those were a Christmas gift, right? You know what I got for Christmas this year? It was a banner fucking year at the old Bender family. I got a carton of cigarettes. The old man grabbed me and said, hey, smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> it's highly debatable. I don't even know if I'm right. We're hitting the hard hitting film questions and digging deep. I think he does have that Christmas vibe and I don't know if just Home Alone established that or it's just because he's always in Chicago so it's always cold. Yeah. Growing up in Texas, the amount of clothing they are constantly wearing in John Hughes movies is beyond me. It's like, crazy. He eight shirts on. <laughs> Eight shirts and a hat and gloves and everything. The debate is already settled. I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but we got to end it, and I'm going to end it with you guys because I think we already established mine is the Welcome to the Party Pal. Ashley, start with you. What is your favorite scene in Die Hard? Without a doubt is when he says, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Uh, my, my favorite scene is the 911 call. Oh, the uh, trying to order a pizza? Yeah. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Oh, yeah. That, that line still cracks me up. It's just the delivery every yeah. time. All right. Well, I think debate is settled. Die Hard is a Christmas film. It's Christmas. This is John. Nice beer. He just wants to spend Christmas with the family. Is that- We'll see what Santa and Mommy can do. 
But when he gets stuck at the office party, Merry Christmas! It'll be a holiday. Merry Christmas! He'll never forget. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal! This Christmas. It's a time of miracles, so be of good cheer. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. Get ready to jingle some bells and deck the halls. With bows of Holy! Bruce Willis. Come to the coast. We get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> Alan Rickman. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, Together in the greatest Christmas story ever told. I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. <laughs> Hans. <laughs> Booby. Eat it, Harvey. Yeah! Holy shit. I'm starting to get a bad feeling up here. Merry Christmas. Die Hard. This is their idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. 